Hello and welcome once again to the podcast Inner City Spirit. I am your host, the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero, Rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Midtown Houston. I'm very excited today because I have with me as an interviewee, Dr. Sandra Montes, who has recently published, had a book published on ministry in the church and how to be um, a more vibrant church. And it's called Real and Thriving in Ministry. She'll talk to us about that as well. Um, She is the director of worship at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And she consults with the Episcopal Church Foundation and Kaleidoscope um, Institute. She's also a member of Trinity, and um, I'm very pleased that she spent some time with us today. We will be talking about, well, she's also an incredible musician, but we will be talking about the 12th station of the resurrection, which is taken from the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark, chapter 16, verses 19 through 20, and reads like this. So then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. Thank you for taking your time to be with me today. And I just wanted to begin, as I always do, just asking, how have you been living through this pandemic, these pandemics? So speaking about COVID, you know, and about being the director of worship at Union, I came home where I was flying home on the 12th of March uh, for spring break. And that week, uh, we had been told that we, were going, we weren't going to go to the building, you know, that students weren't. So the week before, so it was basically two weeks of this break. But I stayed here in Houston because then we went completely online. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the really, for me, what's, I didn't even think anything was changing. I really didn't realize it. Um, my brother and sister-in-law came to New York to visit me the week before I left. So it was August 2nd or 3rd, I believe, when they arrived. And they were there the whole week. And so the, the 10th, when they left, my one of my best friends went to visit me also. So we all saw each other. And then he left to go back home. And then I left to go to come back to Houston. Well, en route, my friend texted me and said that he was having some symptoms and asked if I was having some symptoms. So if you can imagine, I mean, it's like all of a sudden, all of this stuff, just, you know, all of these pictures and videos, you know, that was, it wasn't the beginning, but it was the beginning, you know, of all of these months of of this. What? That was in March? Yeah, that was March. Yeah. And it was at the beginning of March. And so I was en route and I remember I was like, oh my God, what do I do? You know, I don't, you know, my parents are over 75 um, I don't want, you know, what if I have it too, I've been exposed, et cetera. 
So I was thinking, I'm going to get a hotel. And then I realized I have a house and my parents have a house. You know, so I just, <laughs> and thank God for technology. You know, I love technology and yeah. I love Southwest Airlines that has the free messaging. So I started texting Ellis, you know, my son. And, and I was like, you know, I need for you to, well, be all these other things. But the main thing was, I need for you to move in with my parents and I cannot see you. You know, we cannot see each other for until I know if, if he's positive or not. So it was just the beginning of something. I, I think it was really dramatic and awful and just scary. I mean, I, you know, I cried on the plane, you know, it was very just, and then I, at the same time, I was like, I know God loves me. So whatever happens is, you know, it's going to be okay, but it's still scary. And so fast forward, you know, he was negative, although now apparently he was positive at some point, but it wasn't like he wasn't like it wasn't with when he was with us. So, cause I was also did talking to quarantine. Did you quarantine for 14 days or? No, no I, as soon as positive, then we were fine. You know, we thought we were fine and we were, thank God. I mean, all of us are healthy and fine still, but then that was just like the beginning. It was so, did you watch the, what's it called? What's that, that movie, Ben-Hur? Not so, recently, no. <laughs> you know, well, you know that movie, right? I mean, we, as a pastor's kid, girl, you know, we watch it all the time. As even evangelical Christians, we watch it all the time. But so there's a part where Ben-Hur's mom and sister are in, you know, are in like, uh, they have leprosy. So they're in this, you know, place where, you know, it's like a cave or whatever. And then like the blood of Jesus, girl, I'm going to cry. The, girl, the blood of Jesus comes, you know, because Jesus is crucified. And then they get healed you know instantly but anyway but but during this time like uh they would like take some food for them and would leave it at a spot and they would just see each other from far away and so like my parents and my you know best friend and my son would bring me stuff and leave it you know at our little porch so it was like you know that just gave me a little glimpse of what um a lot of people in this country have been going through and in other countries of course but um, I, again, it was very dramatic for me, at least, thank God that it didn't go further than that. So, but it's just started this, you know, months long of what are people going through? And I know a lot of, you know, I see a lot of posts of people who have had it or who have it, who are still, thank God for whatever, you know, these glimpses of, of, of light and of Jesus throughout, but there is a lot of pain. And uh, throughout this time, even though, I'm very grateful that I'm here and I get to see my parents and my son. It is just, you know, um, it's exhausting of um, just everything, just all of like, I can't. Even the heaviness of living through all of this trauma and death and scary time. I mean, it weighs on, on everyone and that's not, making light of it. It's, it's really, it's like we all have a low grade fever Yeah, because uh, it, we're all run down like that. Like you're not quite optimal no. because there's something just weighing on you, running you down more than normal. And plus the people that we do know and love that have it. And yeah, and, you know, my son and I both have allergies, like huge allergies, especially here in Houston. So anytime there's anything different, like t- last night, I had more of like congestion and I thought, oh my God. So, you know, of course I'm taking my, uh, my what's it called, my temperature and I'm t- taking deep breaths and things like that. But it's like a daily thing of, oh my God, am I going to be the next person? You know, am I, you know, I cannot touch my parents and 
And, you know, I was telling Ellis, you know, for a long time, I would say, I just don't want to hurt my parents. But then at the same time, I don't also want to go through this. You know, Mm -hmm. if if I'm honest, I don't, you know, I've, I've heard stories, I've seen things. And I mean, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And it would be great for me to be like, yeah, okay, I'm okay with it. But I can't honestly say that, you know, I, I, I love your life. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, my son, I want to see my son more. I want to see my parents and my family. I want to be able, you know, to hold my, my nieces again, you know, and, but um, it's, it's just a, a very, just terrible, terrible time. And yet again, you know, with glimpses of beauty, like, you know, Lucy getting ordained a couple of days ago. I mean, that's beauty and life and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, little things like that, that just pop up that, still give us hope you know at least me it gives me hope and uh well so yeah so that's where the the other question is like where have you seen glimpses of of christ's light and and work of resurrection in this very difficult scary time and i know you just mentioned um lucy those who don't know who she is you want to talk a little bit about her yeah lucy is married to my nephew so she's my niece-in-law and you know the first time that I saw Lucy because we had in San Mateo we had three services and one of them was at eight o'clock that I never attended because you know sleep um, <laughs> then we had the 11 we had a 9 30 and then at the 11 o'clock so but one day for some reason I don't know why maybe I don't know but I was awake and so I went to the eight o'clock um, I was helping with music I think and then it was her birthday and my dad was praising this young lady and my dad is is even though he's a very positive person and loves everybody he doesn't do these he doesn't speak you know like that about people mm-hmm. in front of a lot of people you know what i mean like uh he will definitely say like good job or whatever but he spoke about her like he was talking about her and saying how he just sees god in her and he you know sees um all these things and I was like getting you know celosa like I was like wait you know like are you talking about me because that's another girl over there you know and because you know I'm his only daughter so I've always made that a big deal you know but and it was just I was like who is this you know young I mean she was a girl back then I don't remember even how old she was but it was just like okay I need to know her yeah and then when I talked to my mom and they would just say she's just so positive she's just a beautiful person and then thank God, you know, little by little, we got to know each other. And she was, of course, leading youth and, you know, being mentored and just men- mentoring, being a mentor to others as well. But so I've seen her, you know, grow up um, and I've seen her just, you know, evolve into this leader that is, you know, just a wonderful example of what Latinas can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Latinas who have, you know, baggage, you know, have, have, stuff that we have inside us or that have happened in our lives i mean if you if you don't know her get to know her because she's she has this amazing uh, testimony of what god can do and so for me that was just beautiful you know to see her um you know i think she's the first latina who was brought up in the episcopal in the, this diocese in an all latino parish you know to be ordained which is wonderful it's amazing so thank god for that so that was one of the things that i've seen Another thing is, you know, you mentioned my book. I, I just, um, and having people write, like one of the first things that made me cry so much was my niece sent me a picture 
my niece, niece Laurita, and she was like, oh, I love this, you know, tia. It, it reminds me of, you know, of us and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, that's what I hope, you know, for the right. book to do and for my niece to have bought it, you know, and then to read it is just amazing for me. So, and I've gotten several, you know, messages from people that I don't know and some that I do know, just letting me know that that this is work that needed to be done, you know, that this is something that is useful, not only for the church, but for people. So that it's has- quite been- an accomplishment. I mean, to bring all of your experience and to get it published is quite the accomplishment. So congratulations on that. That is it's a huge deal. And we're going to use it at Trinity to um, uh, help leaders and whoever wants to join the ministry heads in the vestry. It's going to be open to you know look at each section and see how it applies to us yeah. and especially how it applies now that we've been so changed by COVID. And so, yeah, but congratulations and <laughs> look forward to doing a deep dive with the congregation in that. So the other thing I want to say about, um, about Lucy and your book is it's just a testament to the powerful work that you and your family, because you, you all really are a family that has done ministry together and the impact that you've had in the church and the Episcopal church with San Mateo's success and all of the, you know, just standing up and being a voice for Latinos and, and not just in the Episcopal church, but in the, in the world and a, you know, a a strong voice of faith to lead others into um, how to be better Christians. So that's, that's a light for me too. Um, yeah. You know, at the beginning, I, you know, I talk about, this is just what I've learned watching my parents in their ministry, because it, you know, one of the things that my dad always told us and reiterated all the time was we are called as a family to serve God. And so we always knew that even when Alex and I were like, Ugh, again, you know, we have to do and help again, but it was like, we are called as a family and of course, my parents were never, you know, nunca nos presionaban. They would never pressured us into anything, but but they would say that, you know, and just speak it to us. And I think we really took it to heart that we are all called uh, into ministry. And so, yeah, this is just what my dad did. And it's, you know, one of the things that I kept, you know, because when people asked me to to speak, I would I would talk about these things, but didn't have it, you know, in this little like rubric way. And now that I do, it's like, yay, you know, it's. I can see how that has helped me also, you know, real being respectful relationships, excellence, authenticity, and love. Um, it's just, it works, you know, when, when you're thinking about it. And, and so, and it's what I see my parents continuing to do. Um, and you, and yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I try to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, speak uh, uh, your, your authentic self speaking truth to power, which is exhausting sometimes, but also the mantle um, God has laid on, on your shoulders. Um, and one of the things I really admire about you. Thank you. I appreciate about you. So, so the 12th station of the cross is, I mean, not the cross. I would say that the resurrection, (laughs) the station of the light is the um, ascension actually. And, you know, the ascension is 
one of the major feast days in the Episcopal Church. And I always liked it, but also found it hard because, you know, you explaining how Christ (laughs) disappeared into heaven. But how do you see that scripture and that station of the resurrection resonate with our times? So my parents, Ellis and I were talking about this today, not about this specifically, but about miracles, because, I, uh, you know, the the gospel, it's of the, the what's it called, the feeding? Loaves and fishes. Yeah. yeah. So you know how some people will say, like, well, it it was probably just everybody kind of putting their stuff together, you know, and their stuff, bringing their things, their lunches, so that everybody could share. And my dad's like, well, I still think it's a miracle. And I was like, well, it is a miracle, even if that, because, you know, I don't like to share, especially when I like my stuff, like my Diet Cokes, I, you know, I'm going to keep them to myself. And, like, you know, <laughs> the food, if I want it, it's mine. Ellis knows, <laughs> even my son knows. But, you know, but so that in itself is a miracle. So, and I remember asking my mom years ago, I can't even remember when, something about what if you found out that Jesus was not really born of a virgin, that Jesus did not rise, that Jesus did not, you know, all these things. And she's like, I don't care. You know, she said, because I have experienced Jesus and I have seen the power of Jesus and I have, you know, believed. And so I believe. And so it's like the same thing for me. Um, some, some of these mysteries are, are difficult to, to explain, but it's because it's about faith. So yeah. for me to know that Jesus remains, even as, you know, he, quote unquote, like you said, like disappeared to go to heaven to be right next to God. But for me, Jesus remains here. And um, as I think we see in this, um, during this time, I know a lot of us are talking about the pandemic of racism also. And uh, I think a lot of us are, are seeing Jesus in all these people that are being murdered and how, um, you yeah. know, just systemic racism, systemic racism has to end somehow. But I think it's, it's Jesus showing us that Jesus is, is still here. And Jesus needs us to to be the light. And so I think that's what it reminds me of when we talk about the ascension of, of Jesus kind of going up in the clouds, like for us to continue to look up um, and and to to just ask God to help us here, knowing that God loves us enough to be here with us. Right. And that we that we have a mission. Right. So, yeah, look up and ask God for help, but don't stand there with your mouth open for the rest of your life. Like keep going, right? You know, that Jesus is with us and gives us courage and the ability to to preach the good news and the and work for the kingdom or the reign or however we say it now. Yeah. But you know, I do think that we still it's I think it's okay to also just remain there for a little bit. You know, like and yes, not stay there forever, but it's okay to also take the time to do that. Because I think sometimes we forget to actually look and in awe of what's happening of what Jesus does. And right. and then we don't retell it. You know, there's so many things. A lot of people, when we talk about evangelism and, you know, Episcopalians freak out about the word. And I'm like, it's not anything except just sharing your story of what Jesus has done with you, you know? And, and, and some people are, well, I don't see if Jesus has done anything. And I'm like, look, you know, did you really believe, you know, what about your jobs? What about your children? You know, for me, little miracles of God just telling me, I love you and now share this love with other people. And so I think that we do need to look up, be in awe, also freak out. Oh my God, now I'm all alone. What do I do now? 
And then, you know, remember everything that Jesus has taught me, you know, in the Bible, through other people, through prayer, you know, and then take that to other people. And I think that those are the steps in, in a lot of times we stay in one or another. And, and we have to also remember that not all of us are walking in the same steps, you know, as right. the older I get, the more I get to understand that, you know, I, I, a lot of times expected for my child to do certain things that I'm like, then later I realized, why would I expect that of him if I'm not even there, you know, to just keep reminding ourselves. And I can't even imagine what Jesus thinks like, oh, you know, they're still doing that. They're still, you know, looking up or whatever. I don't know, but. No, um, but I like what you say in terms of the, the observations, but also action should be based in wonder and love and relationship with Christ, right? So, you know, we get courage when we are rooted in Christ. We um, are able to find at least a few words to speak when we are, are rooted in the wonder um, and the awareness of the everyday blessings of life. And, and so I, I, like, I like what you say. You know, I do, I think the session is, um, I like the reading where we have to grow up a little bit um, too, and not just kind of wait for Jesus to, to tell us what to do, um, but to, to listen and act according to how we understand our place in God's world. So, yeah. And we all have a place. That's the cool thing. You know, you, when you're saying that it's, 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 we need to rem- remind each other that we all have a place, you know, it's not just, you know, like you being a rector, it's not your place to do everything. It is me as a lay person to also walk beside you and do God's work. A lot of times, you know, a lot of, you know, us lay people were like, well, you know, the pastor will do it. And it's, you know, that's yeah. what we're called to do. You know, Jesus, you know, I know Jesus was called a rabbi, but I still see Jesus as a lay person. And Jesus was out there doing th- things. So, you know, I claim Jesus for the laity. So <laughs> I, I need to be more like Jesus and That's just awesome. more. That's awesome. So any other observations, things you'd like to say to, to end this short podcast? I really, I really enjoyed speaking with you, Sandra. So yeah, me too. I, I really enjoyed just, you know, uh, if you're going through something right now, guys, you know, it's, I know that it's hard to see the end, but sometimes, you know, like I love to, uh, getting suntanned. I miss the beach a lot. So I just go to my backyard and I, you know, go in front of the, the sun. And sometimes, you know, the clouds come and I'm like, ah, you know, there's not going to be sun today. I'm not going to be able to sunbathe. And then it's like, I'm here. You know, the sun is still there. And I think I want to remind myself every time I see that, that there, that, you know, the light is still there, even if the clouds, and sometimes they're really dark but the sun is still there. So may we remember that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.
I'd like to thank you for joining us for this podcast. Again, thank Dr. Sandra Montes for spending her time and the excellent work she does to live out her faith in Christ Jesus. I'd also like to thank her for the music that she uh, supplied today. And um, I'd like to thank Colin Boothby, as ever, for being our producer. If you'd like to join us in worship, we are live online on Sunday mornings at 1030. And you can find out other offerings at our website, which is trinitymidtown.org. Thank you and God bless. I have loved